Teaching meditation can be a deeply rewarding experience. Help others improve their mental and emotional well-being, reduce stress, improve focus, increase self-awareness and self-regulation, all while deepening your own practice and understanding. Join acclaimed author, Buddhist teacher, and Emmy Award-winning musician David Nickturn on Tuesday, May 28th at 6 p.m. Eastern Time for a free online discussion on teaching meditation in Dharma Moon's renowned Mindfulness Meditation Teacher Training Program. Get certified by Dharma Moon to teach meditation, lead group practice sessions, and work with individual students. Visit dharmamoon.com slash be here now for more info and to reserve your spot for the free online event with David Nickturn on May 28th. I'm Rachel, the creative director for Ram Dass's Love Server Member Foundation, and I'd like to welcome you to our Inner Academy, a virtual Dharma hall where our family of wisdom teachers will help you navigate your daily life by bringing ancient wisdom into a modern context. With over 200 hours of audio and video teachings, meditations, and practices from teachers like Ram Dass, Krishna Das, Sharon Salzberg, Jack Kornfield, Roshi Joan Halifax, Joseph Goldstein, and many more, the Inner Academy is your core resource for finding balance, presence, and navigating the ups and downs of your daily life. The Inner Academy has guidance for every step of your journey. Choose from an annual or monthly membership and gain access to past and future courses, retreat replays, virtual community, and much more. If you've been familiar with Love Server Member Foundation for a while, you'll know that most of our offerings are given freely or on a sliding scale basis. So when you subscribe to the Inner Academy, you're paying it forward and bolstering our ability to continue creating accessible offerings for all in the future, as Ramdas wished for us to do. Be here now and start your journey with Ramdas's Inner Academy today. For more, visit ramdas.org forward slash Inner Academy. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to the Krishna Das Pilgrim Heart Hour. In this podcast, Krishna Das shares his warm-hearted and down-to-earth path to the divine. If you are interested in supporting Krishna Das's podcast, please go to beherenownetwork.com/kd. Good morning. It's always morning for me. So, uh, what are we doing? We're chanting. There's a lot of ways to think about these practices, this practice of chanting and other spiritual practices. But ultimately, 
Ultimately, it comes down to being able to give ourselves a hundred percent to what we're doing. Many years ago, when, uh, before I went to India, I spent the winter up at the Lama Foundation in New Mexico with Ram Dass and a bunch of other crazy people. And um, while we were there, we heard about this uh, New York artist who had gone to India and learned how to meditate and was now living just down the mountain from the Lama Foundation in, in uh, wherever it is, somewhere in New Mexico. So, someone who knows how to meditate, this is big. <laughs> it was big then, it's bigger now, after trying for 50 years. So anyhow, so uh, we made our way down the hill to see him, visit with him, and um, maybe about six or seven of us went. I kind of hung at the, in the back. I didn't really ask any questions. The other people were asking all kinds of stuff. I was just kind of taking it in. And um, then it was time to leave, so we were filing out the front door. And I was the last one out the door, right? And he grabbed my arm before I could get out the door. And he looked at me and he goes, you. You have to find out why it is you can't give yourself 100% to whatever you're doing. <laughs> you know, you ever been to a taxidermy shop? You ever see a squirrel on the wall? <laughs> nailed to the wall? You know, that was me. He just nailed me. It was unbelievable. I can remember that moment as if it was just any moment recently and um, it made me so aware of how unable I was to really give myself to whatever I was doing not just meditation or whatever I was doing but everything even when I was making love I was all over the place I was hardly there except in those peak moments it was, it was just extraordinary, and I re, I, it just got me so deeply that I remembered it all these years. And this is the key to everything, to be able to give ourselves 100%, 100% to whatever we're doing, to be here now, so to speak. So... It's very hard to do that, you know, uh, as we, it's hard to do that, period. But basically we wake up in the morning and we live in dreamland all day long. We're never here. Bouncing off of this, reacting to that, going after this, running from this, doing here, thinking this, emoting about this, obsessing about that all day long till we fall asleep, do it all again the next day, and then, boom, next life. And we were never here for a moment. So once you start to do a practice, though, see, a practice, a spiritual practice, whatever it is, ultimately is forcing you to pay a little bit of attention, or is at least offering you the opportunity to pay some attention to what you're doing. So here we're chanting, Hare Krishna, and you're already gone. But if you weren't chanting, you wouldn't realize you were gone. It would just be more of the day as it is. But because you've added this practice to the moment, it immediately shows you 
you, you experience it, you're more aware of being gone. And the minute you notice you're gone, you're actually already back. That's a really big moment, actually. Because you didn't do that. You were gone. And when you're gone, you're gone. But you, all of a sudden, in being gone, you woke up and you noticed you're gone. You're already back. Then you, come, then you come back to the chanting. Then you put your attention back on the chanting, which you were supposed to be doing all the time anyway. But couldn't, because we can't. So, you keep going away, you come back, you go away, you come back, you go away, you come back. And gradually, but inevitably, we're carving out a deeper seat for ourselves in our own hearts, in our own being, in this moment, in the present being inside. And as time goes on, and as we keep doing these practices, we don't stay gone for so long, and we don't disappear so quickly. It just happens, but it happens off the radar, you see. You can't can't be petting yourself on the back about it because you're petting yourself about being gone because you're gone when you're doing that. And the thing that's going is this all this obsessive thoughts and thinking about me, 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 and evaluating where we are and who we are and where we're going and what we want and what they're doing, what do they think, yada, 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 all day long. And it's very hard to notice any difference in your... Uh, any difference in the way you go through the day. But as time goes on, you can notice that stuff doesn't quite push the button so fast or so deeply or so completely. You don't explode so quickly and you don't fall asleep so quickly or for so long or so deeply. And it's from training. This is training. Every time we do a practice, we're training ourselves. We're training our minds, so to speak. And we're creating, and now they've actually proven that we're creating new neural pathways in the brain. You can read about it. My good friend Danny Goleman and Richie Davison, they just wrote a book, Altered Traits, I think they call it. And it's about Richie's experiments and with meditators and how they actually create new neural pathways in the brain. Physically. It's a physical thing. And as those pathways get deeper, we relax into them more easily and we spend more time not so gone. I'm already gone. Remember that song? Yeah. And once again, these what we're chanting in India, they call the names of God, the divine name. Why is it divine? Because it's who we are. It's our true nature. Underneath all the things we think, all the stories we tell ourselves, all the identities we imagine we can create and be and this and that. Underneath all that is who we are. 
And so every time we come back, every time we get that moment where we notice we're gone, we're back for a billionth of a second. And after 50 or 100 years, it might be two billionths of a second. Or three. So practice, you have to add it to your life. And then just live your life. Don't put on holy clothes and act like you know something, because you don't. We don't know shit. <laughs> we put on a big show, we think we know a lot. That's just more bullshit you have to let go of. Might as well skip it. <laughs> so just add a practice to your life and live. And as you live, you begin to notice that things you used to do that you supposedly enjoyed, uh, don't bring that same kind of hit to you anymore. They don't get you that way. They don't, they're not, they kind of start to fade. So you naturally just don't do them. Nobody has to tell you, you know. After you bang your head against the wall about a million times, you kind of might get the hint, hey, maybe I don't need to do this. So you, you slow down a little bit. But the real changes, they come from within. And all the rules and regulations and, and, and roadmaps are, are only to kind of give us a hint of, what, of who we will be when we finally become who we are. It's not necessary to, uh, and it's always not necessarily helpful to try to adopt a whole new way of life because it, the, the, neuros, it's so, the, the ego just grabs it so quickly. We don't get a vote. You know, and you start walking around thinking, hey, this is wonderful. I'm so much more holy now. Right. And my guru never encouraged us to be anything other than who we are. He didn't make us wear the same clothes. He didn't, he didn't, he, he loved each one of us individually as who we are. He never tried to change us in any way. But being in his presence, in that love, and in that extraordinary, uh, amazing space of uh, unconditional love, it allowed us to just be ourselves a little bit, a little bit. And that process has continued, even though he's not in the body. The process that started, the seeds that were planted, they continue. Every action is a seed. Every action is a karma, is a seed that will grow. If you want to be happy, you have to plant seeds of happiness. You can't be planting a bunch of weeds and expect flowers to grow. It just doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. So, so we have to do some practice. That's the good news and the bad news. You have to do it and nobody's going to do it for you. And if you don't do it, Nothing's going to happen. That's the deal. Okay, see ya.
and you do the practice you like to do. I mean, once I asked Siddhi Ma, Maharaji's great devotee, I said, Ma, should I meditate? She said, Krishnanas, in 40 years with Maharaji, not once did he ask me to meditate. I said, well, should I sing or should I meditate? She said, well, what do you want to do? What do you like to do? It never occurred to me that what I like to do might be good for me. My mother told me it was not the case. <laughs> Don't do that, you'll go blind. <laughs> but, but. Okay, so I wear glasses, it's not that bad. All right, so we're gonna, we have a microphone and we're gonna, anybody wanna say anything? We can discuss amongst ourselves. And um, yeah, we'll sing some more. We have a mic. If you raise your hand, somebody will hit you with the microphone and uh, see what happens. Oh, you, hold on. Well, we need the microphone so I can hear you because I'm deaf. Hold it up to your mouth. Are you okay now? Am I what? You okay? Yeah, I'm okay. You okay? Yeah. I'm okay. You're okay. Let's write a book that call. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for asking. Um, how are you? Hi. You don't have to stand, please. Okay. It's not church. You helped me out about two years ago at Omega, and I told you of what a deep spiritual love I had for my teacher and how much I wanted to be there with him. And um, I asked you, was that okay? What, should I do it, or should I continue paying my mortgage, have my federal job? <laughs> uh -huh. And you said, it doesn't matter what I tell you, you're going to do what you want to do anyway. So just good luck. <laughs> But before that, you, you know, you told me... Can you hold on one second? Absolutely. Kev, where is this supposed to be? Five? Okay. I'm trying to hear you. Hold on. Talk again? Let me see if I can. Is this better? I don't know. <laughs> Keep talking. And... Ram, 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 say something. Ram, 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 Om. I don't have it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I don't have it. Am I going to get it? Say what? I don't have her voice in the monitor, as far as I can tell. Could you just tap the microphone? Okay, there you are. There's something there now. Now talk. Um, that's better, I think. Don't try that stuff with me. Okay, go ahead. I wanted to thank you for some feedback you helped me out with uh -huh. a couple years ago regarding a deep spiritual love I have for my, my teacher. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to be there with him in person. And you told me at, one, at some point it won't matter where you are, if you're there or not, and that I shouldn't necessarily give up my day job and uh -huh. my mortgage to go. So I didn't, and I'm still here. But the problem is, and I think I'm asking because I think it might be interesting to other people. You said how Maharaj uh, loved you all in, unconditionally and um, in your own unique way. But 
did you ever want to be special to him? And of course, I mean that is totally human to want to be loved more than anybody else. And how did? Which is why we hated each other. You know? <laughs> he was this guy next to me was getting more attention than I was. What is it about him? I'm better than him. I can't stand this. And then you get depressed and you shut down and then you get hit with a banana in the heart. And you're opening it, huh? Because he knew everything. He did all that stuff on purpose. He would. You know, it would just happen, actually. He didn't do it on purpose. It would just happen. Huh? Sure, we're human. They're not, so. So you, um, how did you move on from needing that kind of special attention or? I didn't. I suffered. You can't do anything about it. It's like trying not to be who you are. How can you do that? You just burn until you finish, until there's nothing left to burn. Right? Enjoy. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Take a Valium, get in a bathtub, what do I care? Hello? Wait one second, I'm not finished killing her. <laughs> Truly though, there's nothing you can do, but you're noticing it. See, in daily life you don't notice those things the same way. So you notice it, and it's happening in the field of love as well. So in other words, the guru hasn't, or that being has not pulled back that love from you. It's the same. You're the one who's shutting down. What can you do? You watch it. You cry, you moan, you get depressed, you go for long walks, you don't talk to anybody. You come back and you sit in front of them and they laugh at you. And then, but we take that so seriously. This is that moment, even in front of a, a great being, you still have your karmas, you're still who you are. So your karmas have brought you there, and your karmas are gonna screw you around as long as they're gonna screw you around, even though you're there. But you're in that field, uh, field of awareness and love, of real love, so that it hurts more in a way, which is good. Because we do this all day with everybody in our, our lives. We turn away, we judge, we evaluate, we hold back, we, you know. We use people, we manipulate people. We do this stuff all the time, our whole lives, but we don't notice it. And we have no reason to let go of it, for the most part, until we want something more. And it's the longing that we have to be in that love, which we've tasted. All of us know what it is. The longing we have that saves us, ultimately. It doesn't protect us from, from our nonsense, but it does save us. And uh, there's no time frame for it. It could be like this. It could be a whole lot of these as time goes on, or one day everything can change. Usually it's little bumps, little glimpses for a long period of time, and then gradually, gradually, little by little, we spend less time in negative states of mind because we long for an open state, an open space, a loving space. But we can't create that ourselves. But we can be with it in a certain kind of way by letting it, every, by not judging ourselves. And we learn how to navigate through the dark stuff little by little to get to that place, which is always here. It's, you're not going anywhere. It's always right there. Yeah. 
I am a harmonium challenge. Good. I have a harmonium in my meditation room. Burn it. Right, that's what I'm wondering. Yeah. Every now and then I'll poke around on it, and I actually get this pleasant sensation in my heart. Uh-huh. I'm wondering if you have that experience and no. what's going on. <laughs> I'll burn it. I'll burn it. Um, I, 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 the only reason I started playing harmonium is because the little instrument I played wasn't loud enough when more people started to come. And I kind of like chord changes, too. And Westerners like chord changes. We grow up with chord changes. Indians grow up with, you know, we don't have a lot. We don't. We don't grow up with like three chord rock and roll. And so when that thing became not loud enough, because I never even heard of a microphone, by the way, at that point in my life, never occurred to me. Uh, so I got the harmonium out and I started playing, you know, whatever. And as it turns out, it works pretty good. Imagine that. So uh, when I play my chants, the chants with, with a guitar, it's not the same for me. This is it. This is my main squeeze, <laughs> as they say. I'm stuck with it. It's stuck with me. Um, you know, just enjoy whatever. I mean, that's what it's about. It's not about angsting over stuff. Of course, we can't help it, but, you know, you should enjoy that too. We'll get to the other side of the room soon. Hi. Hey. Um, I was curious, what... Uh, I've had a lot of people, especially recently, tell me to come out of my shell more, not, not hide behind like emotional walls and things. But um, I'm, it's a struggle to come to come out of that because the world's a fucked up place. Okay. Really? <laughs> and uh, you know, when you've been screwed so many times, and I'm not saying I'm a perfect person by any means, but like. This, you get kind of like, you put those walls up and it's, it's a protection, but at the same time, like, what, how can you bring down those walls and, like you said, have an open heart and be loving, and, but at the same time, like, you know, protect yourself from assholes? <laughs> well, from one asshole to another. We're all assholes. Everybody out there is the same. We're all the same. Everybody wants the same thing. Um, it seems like it might be a little worse than it usually is, but who knows? You know, it's hard to know. Really, ultimately, it's hard to know. From our point of view, it seems some people think it's worse. Some people think it's better. You know, but okay. So you don't think it's better, I guess. You know, someone asked His Holiness the Dalai Lama if he was happy. So he said, well, I guess you could say I've had a hard life. I had to escape from my country. Millions of my people were slaughtered. We're living in exile. The Chinese took everything from me. Should I let them take my happiness? Hmm? Should you let the world take your happiness? No. So, 
you're very sensitive. Uh, so you need to find some tools to calm down and not react so much. It's not the world's fault that, you're, that you feel the way you do. It's, this is your package right now, which is the good news and the bad news, the difficult news and the, and the real news, because you can change this. It, you're not a victim. There's no victims, although it, from our point of view, it looks like there is, no question about it. There's some really horrible, horrible, horrible things going on. But let's just talk about this. You have within you everything you need. And it behooves us to uh, find a way to get through the day in a good way. That's what spiritual life is about. It's not about building walls to protect ourselves. It's about becoming good human beings. People who feel for other people and care for other people. But the thing is, we obsess about ourselves all day long. All day long, all we do is think about ourselves, which is why we suffer. If we weren't thinking about ourselves, nobody would be thinking about us. <laughs> but we're not going to let that happen. <laughs> so, you know, one of the most difficult things for me and I've heard people talk about this a lot over the years, you know, is to cultivate gratitude. Mm -hmm. But really, look, look, look at today, right? We couldn't do this in a lot of places in the world for a lot of reasons, but here we can. A lot of places in the world, there's no food to eat, no electricity, bombs dropping, People shooting, people killing. But you know, you probably have a nice place to go home to and sleep. And you probably know where your next meal is coming from. But we never think to be grateful for that, which would feed our hearts. That's the issue. We don't know how to feed ourselves. That's all. If we could do that, we would walk through the day in a very different way. So one of the things is, you know, uh, uh, think about other people. Go give out soup at a soup kitchen. Don't sit at home and mope around and do ram, ram, ram and feel like shit. Get out there and feed somebody. Stop thinking about yourself. It's not so easy. Not so easy. But that's the issue for all of us. Now. And we take everything personally, too. I mean, some people take somebody being shot in, in some other country, they, they feel like they've been shot. Is that compassion? Or is that some kind of self-abuse? It's, it's very tricky stuff. The neurosis takes over so quickly. We think we're being spiritual. We think these are holy ideas when we're crying about the pain, the suffering in the world, and creating more pain and suffering, not only for ourselves, but for the people who relate to us. Where's the goodness in that? So it's tricky. 
If you read the books, it's not so clear what, what, what to do. And a lot of teachers don't really deal with it. They just tell you to do this and do that and be happy. You know, right. So slow down, take some time. Don't be in a hurry. Find a way to kind of slow down and calm yourself down. Don't try to make something happen. Just be you. It's not so bad, most of the time, really. And think about, think about being grateful for what you do have. It's not easy. You have to cultivate that. That's a spiritual practice, cultivating gratitude for all the good things in your life, the things that are helpful. Eventually, you, we can even be learn, we can train ourselves to be grateful for the difficult stuff too, but that's like, you know, a doctorate in life. <laughs> We're in kindergarten. It's a long trip from here to there. So just start where you are and don't judge yourself so harshly. Right, you can't do shit, neither can anybody else. It's okay. We're all in the same boat. So just, you know, take it easy. Don't worry so much. And when you're worrying, calm yourself down. Don't just go, ah, just notice it. And, and look at it, you know? Don't avoid it. Notice, see all your reactions to all those kind of thoughts. It's so terrible, the world's so bad. Well, it's not raining on me at the moment. Maybe I can go help somebody. Maybe I can use some of my energy instead of hurting myself and judging myself and blah, 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 blah. I can go do something for somebody, right? When we're not thinking about ourselves, there's nothing but happiness. And when we're thinking about ourselves, there's nothing but bullshit. So you choose. And then when you can't do something, notice what that feels like when you're, you're paralyzed and you have no, you don't know which way to go. You don't know how to deal with this. And you kind of panic inside and you start to melt down. You're still here. And that's something that's happening inside of you, but you're still here. It won't be happening in a day or two. It might not even be happening in two minutes. But when we're in it, we're totally lost in it. So you just keep breathing. That's the main thing. Just keep breathing and everything is possible. If you're not breathing, it gets difficult. So. Gratitude and, and being grateful for, for all the blessings and all the good things. And the fact that you're here. Being here is a big thing. So, just be you. You can't be anybody else anyway, so you might as well relax and just be you the way you are. Okay? I'd like to be me, but I'm, you know, it's, who wants to be me? Okay. Yeah, hi. Uh, hold on one second. I'm holding. This is the housekeeping. Man, I'm sorry. Are you, um, are you reading the menu from the Thai restaurant? What are you doing over there? <laughs> um, there are two cars that are at risk for getting ticketed or towed. Mm. Um, so if they're yours, please move them. And thank you. Hello. Where are you? Hi. Right in front of you. Uh, I was just wondering if you could tell us your favorite Maharaji story. 
or one of them. And thanks. I'll think about it. If I can think. Hold on. Oh, not that one. Okay. So one time, you know, when he would get up, he walked like a two-year-old or a three-year-old. So he would walk and he'd give, somebody would take his hand and walk with him. And he'd go bong, bong like this. So I always wanted to, you know, take his hand. So one day he got up and I happened to be sitting right there. So I jumped up and I put my hand out. He took my hand and we walked away from people towards the back of the temple. And we walked all the way to the back of the temple, and then he let go of my hand, and he took a couple of steps. So I took a couple of steps. And he said something in Hindi, which I didn't understand. And he took a couple of steps. So I took a couple of steps. And he said again something in Hindi, which I didn't understand, and took a couple of steps. So I took a couple of steps. I wasn't going to let him get more than an inch away from me, right? So finally, he just threw up his hands in the air, just went like this. And he kneels down, and he pees. He just wanted a little breathing room, so to speak. I wasn't going to give it to him. But the look on his face was like, oh, these Westerners. You know. And that was kind of his attitude to it. He would just keep going like, oh, my God, you know, that's so crazy. So that hap that's what came up. I don't know if it's my favorite story. There'll be more coming later. <laughs> Sorry, I really don't know how to use them. You describe the mechanics of chanting, like where you feel the vibration inside or where you're trying to cultivate it inside you. I have no idea what you're talking about. The mic, the mic broke up, but you asked me some question. I, yeah. I didn't hold it very well. Okay. That's okay. This is good. That's good. I said, can you describe the mechanics of chanting to me? No. Where you're trying to cultivate the feeling inside? In me. <sighs> and in you. Thank you. You're welcome. I don't think about that stuff. I sing. If I was thinking about that stuff, I couldn't sing. Here. Oh, not somewhere else. Feels good where she's sitting. She doesn't feel good, so it can't feel good over there. What do you want to know? You sing. You sing, and when you're thinking something like you're thinking, you let go of it and you come back to the chanting. Over and over and over and over and over and over. And over and again, that's all. It's not about that. It's not like, oh, it feels vibration in the heart, very good. <laughs> oh, vibration, very nice. Spiritual vibration, very good. Who cares? Sing, get over it. If you think about it, you're just going to destroy it, you know? 
It doesn't happen in here, it doesn't happen in here, it doesn't happen anywhere else. It just happens. You're here, it happens. Lucky if it happens. It doesn't have to happen anywhere special. It's not about that. This is not that kind of... If you're doing like certain kind of pranayama or certain kind of work with the chakras and stuff like that, then you could talk about that. But I don't know anything about any of that. I could pretend I do. Make a few bucks. But this is what I do. So it's not about that. Don't overthink. It's not healthy. Yes. Hi. Hello. Can you speak? Come in. Can you s come in? I'm here. Yeah. 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 Can you speak a little about your experience on Awake? On Awake. awake. Uh, the movie. Yeah, with uh, Yogananda. I'm certainly not awake, so I couldn't speak about that. Okay. <laughs> that was funny. You know, that that interview happened so long ago. I remember, so they, I was singing down in Encinitas, and there's a SRF center there and some Yogananda devotees, and so they asked if I would, they could interview me for this movie. So I said, sure. So we went to this place, and they asked me about it. And then I remembered when, after my first year in college, either then or right after high school, I flew out to California by myself. And I went to Encinitas to the to the um, the retreat center there, Yogananda's retreat center, and I was initiated in Kriya Yoga, and I stayed there for ten days, and then I went back to the East Coast, where real life happened. And uh, but and then a few years later, I was living in the woods up in upstate New York, and they put out a record of Yogananda's chanting, which I used to listen to, a very powerful voice, it was fantastic. And I had forgotten that, so then they started asking me these questions and I remembered it, so I just, you know, I just imitated his voice, like, and I, that was it, you know. Then, like 10 years later, I saw the movie, and there I am in the movie doing that. I couldn't believe they did that. It was crazy, but uh, yeah, it was funny. So, but I, I, in the, I was getting, uh, they mailed, there used to be something called mail, regular postal mail, <laughs> and every month or so I would get these lessons in the mail, but it wasn't enough for me, you know, I, I needed personal contact with somebody, and um, and it wasn't my lineage. So, uh, but yeah, it was fun for a while. And of course, the autobiography of Yogi was just a, such a great book, a uh, wonderful book. There was only a few books around at, you know, at that time in the 1840s when I was <laughs> just starting this. Hi, um, I have a question. Where are you? Right here. That was my question. Hi. Okay. <laughs> Hi. I wanted to ask you, in order to engage in a spiritual journey, do you have to leave society? I noticed that you, you left and you went to India to start your journey. I, I assume that's where you started it. Maybe it was before. But does someone need to leave society to be on that spiritual journey? And for people who are professional, have these jobs where they can't really leave for an extended period of time, what are the steps that you recommend beyond yoga and meditation daily? 
Don't quit your day job. You have to eat. Um, there's no way to leave society, first of all. We're all in relation to so many things. We live in a culture, different. we're human beings, and there's nowhere to go. And if we were meant to be in a cave, we'd already be there. You know, if, if I went to a cave now, I would have my laptop. <laughs> I would have my little MiFi thing with the internet, a hot tub, you know, all kinds of things. There's no way I'm going to a cave without any of that stuff. No, you have to be you. Wherever that takes you, you have to be you. Wait, don't, don't take it so fast. I might want to talk to her. Okay. She might want to talk to me. Okay. So this is who you are right now is, is who you are right now. Where you are is where you are. It's from inside of that that you unravel the knots in your own heart. There's nowhere you have to go. But you do... It would be good to start looking at your stuff, you know, your, your, your emotional stuff, your, your physical stuff, your, you know, it would be good to start dealing with the issues that keep your heart closed. You don't have to go anywhere to do that, because anywhere you go, you, it's all going to be with you. So sometimes it's more useful to really just be where you are and see what's in your life, because everything in your life is there because it's there. It's not a mistake. You can't run away. Sometimes it's good to go on retreat, you know, for a lifetime or two. <laughs> You're not going to smile, are you? There you go. Whew, she's a tough sell. Well, how often do you recommend going on retreats? Whenever you want to. Okay. And do you recommend going to India? Not unless you want diarrhea. <laughs> you're still smiling and you're still here. What would you like to say? What else? Any other good questions like that? <laughs> India is a wonderful place and it's the spiritual mother of the world. There's no question about it. You know, the, they say that the soil, the ground there has a magnetism in it that just allows saints to live there in, in an open way, like no other place in the world. Whether that's true or not, I don't know, but I do know that that's true about India. So and I feel a connection about India also, mm -hmm. but I was born an American, which I'm proud of, but uh -huh. I also feel that connection to India that you... Your parents are Indian, from India? Which part? UP. Uttar Pradesh. Uttar Pradesh, where? Kanpur. Kanpur, oh my God. Don't stay at a hotel near the train station. Will do. I did once. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, you know, have you ever been? You've been. Never been. Many times, yeah. Many times. Oh, okay. So, For most so, people, I wouldn't recommend going there. I would recommend, if you want to do a retreat, there are places to do that here in, in the States where you don't have to worry about the kind of water you're drinking or the food 
or whether the electricity is going to work, or whether it's 150 degrees outside and the electricity is going to go up in the middle of the night and you're going to wake up like this, because you want to relax. So India is a serious dose, and it's not easy for a lot of people to, to get over all the reactions that come up just to go there. I know people who have flown up to India, they got off the plane, they turned around and got on the next plane home. Really, more than one, you know? I mean, the spiders are big. I walked into a room once, there was a spider in the corner that was bigger than me. Another time I was living in this room and there was this huge spider, about this big, right? And it was up in the corner of the ceiling. And I was in this room for like six weeks. It never moved. It never moved. I got used to it being there, right? I came in one day. It wasn't there. <laughs> that was worse than anything I could. I went, oh, where is it? <laughs> but, you know, they don't need much. Are there steps that you recommend taking to try to cultivate that spiritual feeling that you had in India when you come back here? Well, there's a lot. I mean, main thing, first thing is, you understand that all our suffering comes from our, our thoughts and emotions. Now, India is very good, can be very good for opening the heart in certain ways. But for, for most Westerners to go there, it's just so difficult to see three or four generations of people living on a cardboard box, you know? with no place to go, no food, no water. It, it, it puts you through so much stuff that, which is, can be very useful and, and very good and, and very healthy to see how much suffering there is in the world. Um, it can make one very grateful for what one has. And uh, it can also help us become more active in a compassionate way in the world, too. So there's a, you know, it's a, it's a whole thing. But you, you have to go where your karmas take you. And only you know what that is. So I would suggest that you just kind of really ask yourself what you want to do. Because that's the hardest thing to figure out, what you want to do. You want somebody to tell you, but nobody knows except you. So my own guru said, He's sending me back to, well, okay, so here I was, you know. I've been with him for two and a half years, and this is the day that I'm leaving for America. He's sending me back. So I was completely freaked out of my bird. What am I going to do? I've been walking around India barefoot in a red dress for two years. I don't think it's going to work in New York. And... I'd been celibate in India, and I know I don't think that's going to work in America either. <laughs> so I'm sitting in front of him, and I'm trying to figure out what to do. And I'm saying to myself, i got to ask him what to do. What am I going to do in America? And the other part of me is saying, shut up. You should have faith. What's wrong with you? Just set yourself up. You just go. Everything will be okay. What are you talking about? You're talking about America. What am I going to do? <laughs> Finally, I blurted out, Baba, how can I serve you in America? Do you get how disgusting that is? 
It was all about me. I'm not asking him, how can I serve you? I'm, tell me what to do. And he, he looked like a bit of pickle, you know. And then he says, do what you want. Now, I knew what I wanted to do. I'd been celibate for two and a half years. <laughs> and he knew what I wanted to do, because he knew everything. And my mind just stopped. Uh, and I'm thinking, how could that be serving him, right? And he just laughed and hit me on the head and said, go away. <laughs> that was my, do what you want. Do what you want. But then I went across the courtyard and I bowed to him for the last time uh, to his physical body so far. And uh, I heard in my own head, I heard a voice. I heard my voice, but it wasn't me speaking. It was a strange thing. And I said, I heard myself say, I'll sing to you in America, right? And I thought, yeah, that works. So you have to find out what you want to do. And you'll, the only way you find out is by doing things that turn out not to be it. There's no other way. There's no shortcut. So you have to have courage to listen to yourself and listen to your heart and do what you feel is the best thing for you and the people in your life and the people that you're involved with. And, and have karmic connection with. So if you have kids, it's not a good idea to run away to India and leave them without food, for instance. So, you know, it's something that you, your life is your practice. It's not like two things going on here, worldly life and spiritual life. It's you and your life. So inside of that, find out what works for you. Only you know, and only you can figure it out and you'll make mistakes, or you'll find out this is not working. I want to do this. You'll do that, and it won't work either. So this is, you'll wind up being where you are eventually. And it's an inner thing, you know. You, you have to find that. Nobody can do it for you. So, sorry. Thank you, I think you gave me the answer that I- I did not. For. You did. No, I didn't. <laughs> You gave yourself the answer from inside. Somebody, even somebody who tells you what to do, you'll either agree with it or not agree with it. So really the answer is coming from you. And which is an important thing to recognize. If I said, yes, you should go to India and do a three month retreat and stand on one leg for that three months and don't eat, you'll go like, this guy's out of his goddamn mind. That's you knowing that that's not right for you. Right? Or if I said something that you heard or somebody else tells you that feels right, it's not the, coming from that person. The right feeling is coming from you. And then, so you'll go for that and you'll have that experience and that will teach you something. So that's how it works. But it, the answers come from within, even if, we're, even if they look like they come from the outside. That's the disclaimer. For the lawyers in the place. Okay, go ahead. Next person, victim. Thank you. Sit down. Namaste. Hi. It's 
Karuna. Yes, it is. I've been listening to you. Um, so there's a couple of things you said last night about, well, just let's go come back to today when you said, give up the practice 100%. So the practice being, whether it's singing, yoga, whatever. 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 Whatever practice you're doing, you'll notice that you can't give yourself to it 100%. You'll no. Know, yeah, but that, but if it's a practice, it's going to transform you over time and allow you to do that. If it's watching TV, that's not going to really help, or other things like that. But if it's a practice, you'll be. It'll make you more aware of what's happening inside of you, and then that awareness just changes things naturally over time. You don't have to change something. You can't. Okay, bring your mind to one point and keep it there. Right. You know, in my dreams, right? So, but ultimately that's what will happen when you bring your mind to a certain particular point. It will stay where you want it to stay. But that the result of a lot of practice. Including the harmonium playing. I, I joined a bhakti breakfast in order to learn the, the chanting. And maybe I'm not giving myself the 100% to, to learn, you know, to play the harmonium. Or maybe there's only 3% to get. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 can I ask another question about... Yeah, sure. You said something last night about, um, I don't know if I can rephrase that. Um, at that level of deepness, we are one, we are love. Can you elaborate on that? Like, we are love, like... You know, but we things we cover ourselves up, but that's the the part of uncovering ourselves is to find that. So, what can you tell us a little bit more about that? Well, that's the that's what happens through practice. You uncover that place within you, which is the same place in everyone. You know, uh, everybody probably in this room is sitting here thinking that you are who you think you are. Right? Don't you feel like you, and you feel like you? And you feel... That's called illusion. That's because we're identified with our bodies, our thoughts and emotions, our minds. When we, let, when we train ourselves to, to uh, go more deeply than those things, we experience, uh, uh, we experience something that's deeper. You could say it's the soul or the Atma, or Buddha nature, or your true nature, or God, or whatever you want to call it, that's the same in every person. What's looking out of all of our eyes at this moment, looking out of our eyes, hearing through our ears, touching through our senses, etc., tasting through our tongue, is exactly the same. What's experiencing that, the awareness is the same. Awareness is the Atma, is God, one of the qualities. So, but we're not in touch with that. We don't see what is seen. We only see the stuff. We only hear the sound. We only feel the touch. But we don't see the seer or hear the hearer. And that's what's the same in all of us. Or so they say which is what I say when I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. 
You've got it. Though. That's why we're all yeah. here. You have well, it. You have that. You yeah, well, that's what you say. That's why, you know, I've chased Which is why you're sitting there and I'm I, sitting here. I chased you in Dharamsala. I took two plane rides and a 12-hour taxi to, to see you. What do I have so, to do with that? I don't know. Like, I just, you know, it's because I know you have it. And I wanted to feel that, right? I wanted to feel that love. You want five bucks? Keep talking. This is great. I love to hear this stuff. <laughs> well, I appreciate you. You've kept me company all these years. And... Yeah. Um, so thank you for coming here to D.C. Uh, thank you. I'm uh, happy to be here. Or at least until you started talking. <laughs> so that's the thing. The idea is that once we... The longing we have to, to, to be free of suffering, the longing we have to uh, be comfortable in our own skin, so to speak, it's very strong, and at one, in one way it ruins our lives because nothing is ever going to be enough. No matter what we get lost in or involved in, it can't be enough because it's not who we are. That's the only thing that's going to ever be enough is our true nature, which is who we are underneath the thoughts and emotions and the stories and all that stuff. It's in there, but we're looking out. So through practice, we begin to move more deeply. Our, our vision, essentially, our awareness turns within. These are all just words. But the idea is that we no longer identify with the outside and the stories and all that stuff. We begin to feel something within that has always been with us because it's who we are. So it's not like we're getting it from someone or... We're just, we trip and fall in it. We've always had it. We are it. But we've been distracted. So we have to deprogram ourselves from all those distractions. And every time you come back, you're singing, you notice you've been gone, and then you're back, and you're singing again, and then you're gone. And when you're gone, you might still be singing, but you're not even aware that you're singing anymore. You're thinking about stuff. Your mouth is going, and you're making sounds. And then, oh, you're back. Every time you come back like that, it, something happens. You plant a, deep, a deeper seed at that moment. And time, as time goes on, you don't get pulled so, so quickly and so deeply out of ourselves. And we don't spend so much time gone all day long. But we have to do it. We have to do some practice. Whatever that means to you. Nobody can, some people can tell you, but, you know, and if you agree, fine, you do it. But basically, you find something that works for you. And if nothing's working, that's a good, that's actually a very fertile place when nothing is working. Because methods can't work by themselves. When we're really lost in something, we panic and we try to give this antidote and this method and this. And I got If we would just chill, we would we would calm down right out of that. But we get swept up in this whirlpool, and this and that's a karmic predicament to some degree, and it has a certain amount of energy. 
which will dissipate over time, a certain amount of time, and we'll be back, because we always come back. It's just the way it is. It might take you 50 lifetimes, but I doubt it. Could take 10 minutes or a minute or a day or a week, you get lost in something, it passes, everything changes. Try to hold on to something, even you can't. Try to hold on to your grief and your suffering. Believe me, it'll slip through your fingers. I admit to you, I confess, I don't mope around as much as I used to. Really, I, I hate to admit it. Really, I'm not kidding. Sometimes I mope around the house just for fun. I kind of walk from room to room, like, ah, fuck it. It's so comfortable. It's so, I know it so well. It's like, finally I'm back. But I can't even hold on to it anymore. It just goes away. So. The great beings, the saints, the bodhisattvas, the, the great yogis, they're here. They're here now. They're always here now. We're the ones who aren't here. We're the ones who are lost in dreamland. But when we wake up, we're here. So, we can wake up. But you wake up, you fall asleep. You wake up, you fall asleep. It's a process. And through practicing and, and, and chanting and uh, all kinds of practices, whatever there is, whatever you do, you, you deepen that place that when you wake up, you wake up more deeply and you stay awake a little bit longer before you fall asleep again. No matter what you try to hold on to, even if it's that beautiful, loving, devotional, goo-goo-gaga state, oh, I love my guru, I love my guru, you can't hold on to that either. It's gonna go away, but it's gonna come back. Anything you try to hold on to that's not who you are is gonna go. And sometimes you don't want to let go of that stuff. It's so gushy and lovey-dovey. I don't want to let it go. Tough. It's going to go. But you're still here. So the question is, how do we get to that space where we can allow things to come and go? Where we don't get totally destroyed by these emotional storms that come? Practice. And staying alive and just to keep breathing, that's the main thing. So. When I was having a nervous breakdown, full on nervous breakdown, hallucinations, everything, in the temple with Maharaji, So, long story, but it's in the, it's in my, I wrote it, about it in my book, in uh, Chance of a Lifetime. But there I was, so then finally I wound up just kind of like falling into his lap, crying, and he let me cry for a while. 
And I said, Baba, what am I going to do? All I do is think about myself. I'm so selfish. He goes, attachment. <laughs> attachment, it's all attachment. But I mean, I don't know, attachment. He wasn't buying it, you know? So I had to get over it. What was I going to do? So all we do is think about ourselves. It's ridiculous. We never get tired of it. It's amazing. It's actually miraculous how much we don't get tired of thinking about ourselves. <laughs> it's just so... Uh, <laughs> all this stuff. And believe me, after a while it gets a little boring. Oh, God, more pleasure. Uh, I can't stand it. It's almost as bad as pain after a while. So they say. Somebody have a mic? I have it. Who's I? Right here. Ah. <laughs> Hi. I'm a little nervous. Um, Hold the mic close. Like this? Like that. Oh. Um, but I'm trying to figure out if you probably already answered a lot of things I was thinking, and I, I heard you just say you know, um, to get comfortable in your skin and how we, I, that's a struggle to be comfortable in our skin and my skin. And um, I have to say that um, when I discovered chanting, and harmonium specifically really just went right to my heart. Uh, it's like one of the things that I get relief. It's how I get relief. Mm -hmm. And I've heard you say before about, you know, chanting to save your ass. And I have hashtag. I really identify with it. Um, mm -hmm. It's how I get relief, sometimes with cardio too. But um, that's not my question. Mm -hmm. I, had, I just had to say it. Um, sometimes a what? I just had to say it. Um, my question, if it is a question, is um, about un the unconditional love that you talk about, that you felt with Maharaji, and um, and I've you know I've listened to you talk about it, and you referenced it today, and I don't know if I can really, uh, I, I don't know if it's so simple that it's there all the time, and and I'm just not able to see it or folk or feel it or. If it, I don't know if I can identify with that, um, you know, I, was I, it a blast? Me, me <laughs> can never identify with that. Me is, me is ego. Ego is not, can't relate to unconditional. Ego is nothing but conditions. Ego is everything that revolves around me. The planet of me and all my stuff that revolves around, there's nothing in there that's unconditional. It's all conditioned. It's all about me. It's all my stuff. Me, me, me. I'm the most important thing in the world. How do I feel? I doesn't feel unconditional love. I is unconditional love. Me is conditioned. I is unconditioned. So the sense of being, of true being, without me, is just the sense of being, naked being, that's being here. There's no me there. There's just openness and awareness. So it's not me doesn't get enlightened. Me disappears. 
Me gets ground away, dissolved away. And what's left is like the clouds being burned away by the sunlight. What's left is the open space. So me can't be that, because me is just stuff. I, or the sense of being, which is the awareness of all these things, the deepest presence within us, it's not me. It's openness, it's space. Everybody's in that also. That's why it's unconditional, because it doesn't depend on who you are. There's only love. It's the space that surrounds us all the time. We're never out of that, but we cut ourselves off from that by thinking we are who we think we are. By thinking we are who we think we are. Now you think you're you. Good luck. As soon as you get over that, everybody will be touching your feet because you have become the whole universe. So it's not something you can think yourself into because thoughts are just, you know, they're also conditioned responses to things. We're talking about presence, being, you know, pure awareness, the, the light of the sun, the sun in the heart. You feel it as soon as you met him? Oh yeah, as far as that goes, sure. That's, that's what I, was it like, like, was it like a wave or a blast or just like, did it leave? When <laughs> She'll tell you what it feels like. The one who, the vibration. <laughs> I don't know, it felt like love. It felt like love that I had never tasted before. What is that? Oh, Where, yes, it, I don't it was know. my pinky felt like. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like that. You know what love feels like, don't you? That's what it feels like. Everybody knows what it is. That's what we're looking for. In every relationship, in every person, in every set of eyes we look into, we're looking for that. But we don't see that because we have veils over our eyes. And we see, we, we live in the desire realm, so we keep taking and grabbing and throwing, pushing away and holding on to all this stuff, and it's all around me. But this is not me, this is who we are, this is deeper than that. It's, it's a space that everybody lives in. We're all in it all the time. You can't think your way into it. You can't think yourself out of a prison that's made of thought. Let's think about that. <laughs>